You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This morning, we are very lucky to have Sam Reese in. She is the Director of Australian Apartment Advocacy, and today we are talking apartments, obviously. Sam, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Trent. It's been a while since we've chatted apartments. Last time we had Luke Parker in discussing how we build them, the process of developing apartments, but I thought it would be a good idea to have you in because you are the authority these days on making sure that we are advocating for the owner, the the tenant, the owner, the person who lives there, because once you've built him, obviously, just like any house... There can be defects, there can be the pros and cons of living in apartments. And your role these days is not only, I guess, to advocate for apartment living, but also advocate for people who are living in apartments and their protections along the way. Is that correct? Correct. So I call myself the Aaron Brockovich of apartments. <laughs> I like that one. Will you have a movie made after yourself? Oh, that? I'd love to. I would love to. I think that um, there's always a place for a strong woman in any kind of movie role where she advocates for consumer protection. Well, I'll tell you what, you need a strong woman when it comes to advocating for people in the apartment development space because you're dealing with some pretty powerful people, aren't you? Oh, I do hope that at some stage that I will actually put the fear of God in those rogue developers and they'll see me coming. And that's the whole idea why I've done an education kit, which you're aware of, Trent. So the idea is that when buyers are going in, they can start asking those tricky questions to the developers and those developers actually will have to start pulling up their standards. Why haven't they been too up? Is that just because no one's been keeping them accountable? Correct. So like Cheryl Kerno, keep those bastards honest. That's the kind of role I'm playing now. And it's great because those people in the um, in development sector who actually are already doing quality developments, they're really glad for that uh, booklet as well because they actually are looking to get those rogue developers out of the system as well. Can you give us a little bit of a picture of what the landscape has looked like over maybe the last five to ten years especially before you started getting the broom through the kitchen. Listen, we've had a lot of issues, you know, Pizarros, I can say that now because they've obviously gone into liquidation or closed their business, but there's been a lot of cases where we've actually seen water membrane issues, we've seen construction issues in terms of structural integrity being compromised, you know, Opal Towers and Mascot Towers come to mind immediately, and so, you know, we're actually having to now actually take a different standard with how we want these apartments built. They're not built the same way that houses are built, are they? Well, no, because in fact, you know, you're not talking about just one house. So sometimes you're talking about 20, 30, 120 houses in the one complex. And that's why it makes it more complicated and why there's more uh, requirement for standards. They're not double brick anymore. Are you, no, I mean, the old BGC panel. flats used to be yeah. still those. You see yeah. them, they're 60s flats. They're still brick, five, six, seven stories, even 12 stories high in, in Mosman Park or Maylands. But as you just said, they're tilt panel concrete and internally. It's amazing to think a $24 million apartment from Blackburn in Subiaco or Peppermint Grove could be made out of steel panel and some insulation and some gyprock. Correct, and we're now seeing our first timber-built apartment in Midland, which is also great. And, of course, Pete's been doing that in South Australia for quite some time now. But it's all about what you put into the building in terms of acoustics, the water membrane, the structural integrity. It doesn't matter if it's tilt panel as long as it's actually built correctly. Okay, so as you would know, we're all sort of sticklers here for double brick. And it's one of the reasons I think the apartment market hasn't kicked off the same way in the East Coast because people go through the apartments, they 
knock on the internal walls and realize they can hear each other speak between the wall and it's a very different thing for us. We probably still connect that to the idea of a, a fibro state housing house, right? Uh, whereas over the East Coast, that's just been the standard for decades. It is what it is, whether it's a house or it's an apartment. They're not building with double brick and certainly not brick internally. So how do you think we get over that as buyers before we even get to a point where we're moved in? In our kit, we actually have a series of questions that you should be asking the developer or the actual sales agent before you actually think about signing the contract. One of those is to actually be provided with an acoustic report or be guaranteed an acoustic report. And that should be continued you actually don't want to actually settle the apartment until you've seen that acoustic report. We're also asking for a water membrane manufacturer's warranty. Now that means that the water membrane manufacturer actually comes out and actually sees the membrane being installed, gives the tick, because then you actually have a 10 to 15 year warranty on that, which exceeds obviously the six years you get with the statutory building warranty. I was reading an article yesterday in the AFR about the Park Avenue apartment building in Manhattan where that building which was built a couple of years ago I believe I mean it was five years ago and the apartments there are 15 20 30 40 million dollars each right and you could be on the 70th floor and was that tall and that skinny that you could feel the apartment swaying in the wind yes. right? but not only that it's had tens of millions of dollars now of defect issues because of I assume things like water membrane where someone would have a leak on the 60th floor and it starts to leak down to someone on the 40th floor. Yeah. Obviously, they're pushing the engineering of this to the extremes in some places around the world. We're nowhere near that, right? We're working well within that, but it just demonstrates there's a lot of risk in having an apartment that isn't the top one. Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, you want to go with a developer that's been developing apartments for a long time, right? You don't, when we go into a boom, which we're going to go into a boom now with WA, what you tend to find is that people who've been building townhouses think, oh, I'll build apartments. And then they go into apartments and they just don't understand the complexity of it. So just make sure you know that you're building with a reputable builder and a reputable developer and that they're not going to disappear overnight as some Phoenix companies do. And that will give you some course of action then. All right, well, let's start with talking about some of these defects. Maybe we should start with what we should all be aware of, whether you're buying a house or an apartment, is that 12-month defect liability period. Tell me about this. It's important to ask when you're asking the developer how long their defect liability period is because some developers will say three months, some will say six. You definitely want 12 months. You want to actually understand all four seasons in your apartment and that's also important, especially if you're actually having water penetration from outside, which is one of the most common defects that we see, and then water penetration inside the apartment and then obviously structural issues. So, you know, it's very important. We've actually heard of situations where someone's dishwasher has flooded and it's actually soaked down into the people below you and that's not good. So when you're actually living on top of each other, whatever you do in your apartment actually impacts to the left and the right, the top and the bottom. So it's important that you let your strata know if you're actually seeing some kind of defect. So if you're seeing bubbling in your shower indicates water um, egress. Let your strata manager know because what's affecting you is probably affecting your neighbours. Okay, so you want 12 months. So are you telling me that if an apartment developer that I've gone to see at the sales office this morning says, no, sorry, we only do six months. Are you saying walk away? Walk away. You'd never buy an apartment if they didn't have 12 months? No. Okay. 
Good. I like that. That's some sound <laughs> advice from uh, from Sam here. Guys, if you are buying an apartment off the plan, which most of them are, when you're yes. buying them, they're mostly off the plan, which is something we can talk about later, I guess. If they're not giving you 12 months, then you're not giving them a signature. Yes, no. And if you also are buying and your defect liability period is actually going to come to an end, then you want to make sure that they extend that defect liability period until you have settled so that you can ensure that you actually get to check your apartment as well. Next question. We've spoken a lot about water and I'm sure we can go over again, but let's just throw out all the kinds of defects you've seen in an apartment buildings and especially maybe ones that are uh, unique to apartments. Yeah. So sometimes you can get whistling noises, which means that the seals are not properly inserted into the windows and the doors. So when you're settling your apartment, you want to actually close all your windows and doors and then turn on all your extraction fans and your air conditioning to see if you can hear that whistling noise. That's definitely a defect. Obviously, paint within the actual apartment is a defect. You also need to make sure that your fire protection in terms of your fire sprinklers are all in working order as as well and you need to also make sure that your tiles if you actually take a broom and tap your tiles if you hear a hollow sound that means that it hasn't been a deer properly but most importantly you need to ask for a flood test on your balcony then that means they dump a large portion of water onto the balcony and you need to make sure it drains away if it doesn't drain away if it pools you're going to have all kinds of issues because eventually what will happen is the grout between the tiles on your balcony will erode that will erode your water membrane if you don't get to have a flood test put a marble on your balcony and see which way it rolls it should roll towards the drainage you hope so if it doesn't, there's a problem. You've said water membrane a lot today. Yes, it's one of my new words, right? I never thought I would say it, but here we go. Explain what it is to people. So it's a protective layer. It gets applied under anything that has water or wet applied to it, right? So kitchen, bathrooms, balconies, there must be water membrane underneath all of those tiles. Uh, so The that, waterproofing. Pr- yeah, basically. Okay. Well, yeah, that's so important, obviously, not only protecting from the water coming in, uh, from the outside, but also the water going out, uh, you know, yeah. especially if your shower might leak or flood or your toilet or your dish- dishwasher, it goes down, right? And if yes. people above you haven't got that protection, then it comes to you. Correct. Yeah. That is, I guess, one of the big issues that a lot of people wouldn't worry too much about if they're in a single story house because no. there's no one be- below them, right? But yeah. still, it is strange that we hear a lot about it in apartment buildings and not so much about it in normal single story houses. You do hear about it in single-storey houses, but the problem you've got is that WA at the moment has not licensed their water membrane installers. So what actually happens is that sometimes a painter will install the water membrane, and that is not cool. That's not okay. It should be someone specific. Or a tiler? No, there's actually specific companies that that's all they do is install water membrane. And the thing is, is that when the developer's squeezing down the builder for the cost and the builder's then squeezing down its subbies, sometimes it'll actually let somebody else who's not qualified install the water membrane as a cost factor. But it's crucial to the health of that building. That's the whole, essentially the foundation of the building Correct. is the water membrane. It's the one thing that should never be compromised. Okay. So let's say that some of these defects do start appearing and it's probably reasonable to expect that there will be defects. It's just not critical Correct. defects, right? Correct. What do we do? 
So we say in the first 12 months, you must let your strata manager know as soon as you actually identify a hairline crack or something like that within your apartment, you must let your strata manager know because the strata manager is the one that's liaising with the builder to get the repairs done. Now, you may find that in some instances, the repairs will not be done immediately. They will be done within that 12-month period because they're waiting to see if anything else actually comes to fruition at the same Getting time. Getting all done at the same time Correct. with the 20 apartments that need it. Correct. Um, and then once you get past that 12-month defect liability period, then you actually are protected by the state government for a further six years. But what you must do and what the Council of Owners must do is actually get a proper building inspector to come through and inspect not just the first year for the defect liability period, but every year after that. For just six years further or? Every year. Forever. Okay. Forever. Because at the end of the day, you actually need to demonstrate. So Mascot Towers in Sydney. In Sydney, yeah. had the structural cracking issues. People were evacuated. They had not done a structural inspection. Now, if they had, they would have actually been able to A, identify that there was cracking occurring and then B, actually able to monitor it so they could then take action against the developer. What happened was they had this cracking and they blamed the next door neighbours because they were doing works. The next door neighbours have said, we've got photographs showing that those cracks were there before we started construction. And where does that leave Mascot Towers? You know, with no protection whatsoever. So you have to realise that once you move in and you get past that defect liability period, it's the people who own the apartments who are responsible for making sure that that building stays healthy. A couple of things to come out of that. You mentioned a strata manager. Let's explain again. Those people, uh, the people that are employed by the strata entirety, company. yes, the yeah. strata company, the entirety of the owners. That's yes. what we pay our, our strata fees for, right? Correct. A, a portion of that pays for a strata manager, sort Correct. of like a property manager, to just do all the work that needs to be done to keep this thing clean and operational. The council of owners. How do we get on the Council of Owners? How does that work if we're so an owner? So in AGM, you'll be asked if you want to nominate for the Council of Owners and up to seven people can be on the Council of Owners. Be very careful who you choose for your Council of Owners. I made the fatal error of choosing a builder to be on our Council of Owners and then when he went to install the gate, he totally stuffed up everything, didn't get a planning approval from the Council. You know, it was a nightmare. So, you know, you want to have somebody who actually understands accounts on the Council of Owners because there's a pool of money sitting there and that money is to actually look after the building. You want to make sure that you've got people who are very common sense, who are maybe even like an engineer would be ideal. You know, people who actually understand that this is an asset. I say it's a $70 million asset. You need to put your business hat on when you go on to Council of Owners and think about the entirety of that building and everybody in it and not just you. Your smartest three friends, your accountant, mate, your yeah. engineer, mate, and your lawyer, mate, they should be on the Council of Owners. <laughs> Correct. Right. Absolutely. And if you don't have those in the building, then look, just look for people who actually have got good business sense, Right. Because at the end of the day, if someone stands up and they say, I want to protect the building and save you money and not spend money, that is not the person you want on the Council of Owners because invariably you are going to have to spend money. We had a building inspector come and inspect our building and we had not actually maintained the warranty on our doors and we hadn't been keeping them up in terms of maintenance. We then voided our warranty. 
right? And I had one of my council of owners saying, well, we don't want to spend the money. Oh, yes, you do want to spend the money because at the end of the day, how many times do you go a year to Bunnings if you own a house? That's the equivalent of what you should be looking at when you're looking at your apartment. That's very correct. And that's the thing, I think, because people own apartments, they think they can just shirk it all off to another organization, arm's length owning this building. It's like, no, mate, you own the building. You are one of the owners. Correct. Everyone's got to put in towards keeping this thing up. Correct. Now, we spoke about paying for that building inspector. Obviously, that just needs to be budgeted on an annual basis that every year within that amount of money that this uh, strata manager is given to manage this building, a portion of that is paying for a building inspector to do their job. Correct. And listen, the strata manager is not a building manager, right? The strata manager is not qualified. Do not expect your strata manager to, to do a walk around and come back and say, your building is in good condition. That is not their job. A strata manager manages the council of owners. They manage the money. They make sure that you stay within the strata regs. They are not building managers. They are not building inspectors. Our fatal error with our apartment was the first council of owners got a house inspector to come and do an inspection of the apartment. And they wrote things that were so just totally superficial and they were negligible. So do not get a house inspector to come and do an inspection of your apartment. They must be specifically apartment focused. So then how do we find a good strata manager? Is it just the first time we find on Google? I'm not sure if you can give any recommendations, but at the very least, what should we be asking? Because as a council of owners, we need to employ a strata manager, right? Or are they normally just given to us by the developer on the day? So the developer will appoint the first strata manager, but then you have the choice after that to, to what you want to do with the contract. We actually just appointed a new strata manager for our strata company and we actually did have a criteria. So we wanted to make sure that the strata manager actually was experienced with the same kind of building that ours is. So if you've got a strata manager who's used to being managing buildings that are maybe 20 and you've got 120 apartments in your building, they're not going to be suitable for you. You want to look at the fact that they are trained that they actually are a member of Strata Community Association and you want to check their references and talk to their references about how they actually have experienced, you know, because a good Strata manager needs to be good at conflict resolution, right? Mm. You don't want someone who's a pushover. You don't want someone who doesn't understand the Strata regs because then what will actually happen is you may do something illegal, but you'll be the one responsible. Okay, so from normal context that most people would understand, a property manager might charge between 8 and 12% of the rent, right? And that's mm. what they'll get paid on. What about a strata manager? How does a strata manager get paid? It usually is on the basis of the number of apartments within a complex and the, how many uh, tasks and jobs you want them to do. Our strata manager attends our council of owner meetings. They take the minutes. They action all the items that come from that. I found that before when I joined the council of owners, we didn't have our strata manager joining us for the meetings. My council of owners just, uh, were making bad decisions and things were just piling up and not getting done. So as soon as we got the strata manager involved in the meetings, we started to see some real traction and we started to actually get some things done that need to be done. So, you know, be very mindful of the fact that there are tools to you and you should be using them to their best advantage. Okay, so they're not paid the same as a property manager. It's essentially an agreed fee Fair, based correct. on the size of the building and the things that you want them to do. Correct. And you can tailor that with any commercial arrangement the correct. way that the council of owners want their prop, their strata manager to be involved. Correct. Okay, awesome. That's really good to, to understand. Let's finish this conversation off quickly 
by going through that booklet you were speaking about before, the Australian Apartment Advocacy have developed. What's the point of this thing and, and how do I get my hands on it? So we actually created this because there's no other kit like it in Australia. I'm very pleased to say that this week I've actually had conversations with Victoria Building Authority about doing something very similar in Victoria. So it's very important when you're looking to buy an apartment, the interesting thing was that I had 13 people on that working group helping me create that kit. And when we wrote the pre-settlement checklist, I actually realised after we had finished that that when I settled my apartment, I had been negligible. (laughs) That's cool. And I'm meant to be the expert in apartments, right? So the thing is, is that, you know, whatever information you can actually, you know, digest and actually helps you make a more informed, empowered choice, that's what we're all about. And you can get them because they're free. So if you come to our website, waaa.net.au, there's a, a little tab at the top. It says education kit. Click on there and it will download from there. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Last little bonus question. You spoke about Opal and Mascot, the apartment buildings that we've heard about on the news in the last couple of years over in the East Coast. Yes. What happens to them? With Opal Towers, it was very interesting. The developer actually did make the repairs. The issue that was with Opal Towers was they actually had like a teardrop feature in the uh, building. And when they applied the Rio, which is obviously to, you know, strengthen the concrete, the Rio was put in upside down. And the engineer that did that, is in a lot of trouble, right? They signed off on that. So they actually with Opal, they paid for all the residents to be housed in a hotel while they did the repairs. They did the repairs and then all the residents have moved back in and they've given a 20-year guarantee on those repairs, which is great. Mascot, a whole different story. The government's paying for them to be housed. The last time I heard the repair bill for that building was $45 million, $20 million of which was actually interest on the Strider Improvement Loan. The best thing they could probably do with that building is demolish it and start again. Wow. Yeah. So I assume the developer is no longer... Gone. Yep. So that's why you've got to be really careful when you're looking at the developer. If they've actually created a company, which is what we sometimes call a phoenix company, which means as soon as they finish the building, they close down that part of the company. And Pindan have just recently done that, which is appalling. And I've got to say, because they've left a number of um, apartment owners high and dry, despite the fact that they still continue to operate as if nothing's changed. So you've got to be mindful of checking that your builder and your developer are not going to disappear overnight because if they do you could be in the same situation sam reese australian apartment advocacy thank you very much for coming matt i really appreciate this conversation i'm sure a lot of people uh, listening do as well because whilst not all of us might be investors in apartments a lot of us are actually owners or uh, owner occupiers of apartments and whether it might not be now or sometime in the future five ten years from now as we move to a more cosmopolitan life this is the sort of information we need to really understand if we're going to be uh, changing our lifestyle to a more urban infill cosmopolitan lifestyle so thank you very much again mate and i hope to have you in to chat more about probably that buying process of apartments it's something we haven't spoken about before so we can make sure that we're making the best decisions possible thanks Trent. thank you for listening to another episode of the perth property show If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!